Love is complicated. It's hard. A lot of times when I think about love, when I think about 1 Corinthians 13, I gravitate toward it because I realize that everything it says that love is, I want to be the opposite of. I want to be impatient. I want to be unkind. I, I love keeping a record of other people's wrongs. Now, I say that with my tongue on my cheek, but there are days where I do. And so I realize that 1 Corinthians 13 is as much prescriptive as it is protective. It protects my heart. It protects my life. It keeps me in the way that I need to be in order for me to be whole. Otherwise, I'm going to get sucked into that vortex of non-love. And once I get sucked into that, then there's no telling how I'll be. So love is complicated. It is tough. A while back, a friend called called me when she and her husband were heading out of town. They were traveling in their car, and they needed me to go back and check on something at their house. And so she said, uh, would you do me a kindness? Now, I don't get out much. So I said, well, I've asked someone to do me a favor, but I've never asked someone to do them a kindness. Is that the same thing? And she said it was. So it sounded a bit better, I guess, so I went and did them a kindness. I'd never heard that before. Maybe love is doing each of us a kindness. It feels as if kindness, to Glenn's point, it feels as if things get thrown around a lot, words like love and kindness. That kindness is kind of in short supply. Think about it. We have kind, be kind to animals week. We have be kind to humankind week. I even saw that it was a be kind to spiders week at some point, or be kind to yourself week. Uh, there's World Kindness Day scheduled for November 13th, which by my math gives you approximately 55 days in which you can avoid the responsibility of being kind, and then you can go full-on kind on November 13th if you want and just get it all in. And by the way, for the next six months, I don't know if you know or not, it was be kind to pastors half year. I don't know if you knew that. I checked that, (laughs) Glenn. But when I thought about this, my point being is this. What if kindness and being kind were more than a designated day? What if kindness was this ongoing and daily disposition in our life that showed up every day and not just on designated days? What if kindness flowed naturally because we were doing this work of love? Again, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13 where I have been focusing on, love is kind. And he writes this to his first letter to the Corinthians. Now, kind in this context, a word that describes one who acts toward one another in a gracious manner. One who is gracious, one who is considered courteous, a presence of civility. To put it very simply, it's a posture of love towards others that includes graciousness, which looks like civility, which even looks like being courteous. Now, I really began to worry about this, and maybe it was just my own anxiety, but I thought to myself, this is really a tough sell in a culture which feels like there are so many issues at stake. In a culture in which it feels like people have sort of moved beyond being able to hear one another anymore. This kind of feels like sort of namby-pamby politeness. But then I sat with it, and I wrestled with it, and I thought, but if we don't start somewhere, how will we get to where we need to be? We've come to rely so much on this power of persuasion or the power of argumentation or even the power of intellectual intimidation that we've forgotten just how much the power of kindness can make a difference in our world. Kindness is what love looks like in the nitty-gritty of life. 
Kindness is what love looks like in this world addicted to incivility. It's what kindness is what love looks like in a world that tries to categorize people between winners and losers. It's I call it this: kindness is love with work shoes on. When I go out to mow my yard, I don't wear my dress shoes, I don't wear my casual shoes. I got this really, really old pair of tennis shoes. And to me, it signifies to me and symbolizes we're going to do some work. We're going to get scuffed up, we're going to get stains all over them, and I'm going to be indiscriminate about all this work. Kindness is this sort of loving indiscriminately in the dailiness of life. It's getting work done when it comes to loving others. And I think Paul intends this to be as much for the pew as it does for the public square. Now, when I say pew, I mean specifically the faith community, those you go to church with. Paul was under no illusions, and we shouldn't be either. He was aware that church people were not perfect and they could get on each other's nerves. That's why he continually invited and implored the early Christians to practice love with one another, what Paul calls the perfect bond of unity. And he invites us to put on the qualities of love in the same way we might put on clothes. We make a choice. We look at what we want to wear. We say, I'm going to wear this. I'm going to wear this. I'm going to wear this. We make that choice as to what we're going to put on. In a sense, Paul is saying, in the context of love, in the grace of love, you and I have this choice as to what kind of disposition, what kind of qualities, virtues that we will put on today. And he names them compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and peace. And what I hear Paul saying is this, treat love like your everyday clothes. Wear love every day. Let it show up as compassion and humility towards one another. Practice patience with one another and be kind and gentle with one another. Faith communities and church families, they can often be like your biological families. They can be the hardest people to love. It's because they're often the people we really know in a very deep way, in a very close way. But Paul invites us to practice love for one another, both for the benefit of the community and for our own spiritual life. One of the ways we do this is simply to be kind to one another, practice graciousness, civility, courtesy. And one of the ways I have found it is in language. Kindness shows up in how we talk to one another, in our speech, the words we use. There is a nun, her name is Joanne Chidister, and she writes this, quote, oppressive speech, sarcasm, rebuke, anger, abuse, derision, defamation, it drowns out love and it splits the world in two. So how can our words and our presence communicate kindness to one another? What does it look like to be courteous and gracious with those we worship and serve alongside? Now again, I wrestle with this because it seems like, well, this is a false niceness. But I don't think it's a false niceness. I think it's the way people in close relationships practice loving one another so that when the tough times come, they're able to have the hard conversations and remain in relationship with one another rather than sort of running to their separate corners and alienating from one another. And quite frankly, if we're unable to practice kindness and love in our Christian fellowship, it's unlikely we're going to be able to offer it in the world in a transformative manner. I think of Christian community like this. It's sort of that laboratory you took when you had chemistry. When you did chemistry, you had the book part where you learned all about the, the, the formulas, and you learned about all what mixed with this and mixed with this, and then you had the lab part, and you got to mix it all together. I look at Christian community as a laboratory of love, where we are literally putting into practice what we have learned, so that when we move out and from here, we have 
learned it and practiced it and we have experimented with it. And then when we go into all the places we go with work shoes on, we love. I think kindness, though, is also intended to show up in the public square or the places we inhabit every day, where we eat, where we work, and where we shop. There's a poet, and her name is Naomi Shahab Nye. Some of you may know her if you like poetry. She's a poet, she's a songwriter, and she's a novelist. And she was born to a Palestinian father and an American mother. One of her more well-known poems is simply entitled Kindness. One of her essays that she wrote a while back, she shares a story of being at the Albuquerque airport terminal. And after learning that her flight had been delayed for four hours, she heard this announcement over the airport. If anyone in the vicinity of gate A4 understands any Arabic, please come to the gate. Well, that was Naomi's gate, and she also happens to speak Arabic. So when she arrived at the gate, she finds this older woman in full traditional Palestinian embroidery dress and garb all crumpled to the floor, and she's wailing loudly, and she's beating the floor with her hands, and the flight agent explains that they simply told the woman that her flight was going to be late and delayed for about four hours, and she just simply melted down right there, and the agent said, we are so desperate for help. Please, somebody, do something. Can you do anything? Well, Naomi, she stooped down. And she spoke to this woman in Arabic. And she speaks and immediately calms the woman who stops crying. And Naomi finds out that this woman misunderstood and thought that her flight had been canceled entirely. And she had to be in El Paso for a major medical treatment the next day. So Naomi reassures her that she'll be fine. And then she uses her own phone, Naomi, her own phone, to call the woman's son. And she reassures the son that she's going to stay with his mother until they get on the plane, and that she's going to ride right next to her for the duration of the flight to make sure she's okay. And then just for fun, Naomi writes, they called her other sons. They even called Naomi's father, who's Palestinian, and happened to find out that Naomi's father and this woman had 10 mutual friends back in Palestine that they all knew. And Naomi then says, well, for the heck of it, I called 10 others of my Palestinian poet friends, and I just let her talk to them as long as she wanted. Well, as this unfolded, this transformation took place. And I'll read in Naomi's own words how she describes the scene. This is what she writes, quote, This all took about two hours. And she was laughing a lot by then, telling about life, patting my knee, answering questions. And then she pulled out a sack of homemade marmool cookies, which you've ever seen. They're these little powdered sugar, crumbly mounds stuffed with dates and nuts out of a bag. And she was offering these all to the women at the gate. And to my amazement, not a single woman declined when it was like a sacrament. The traveler from Argentina, the mom from California, the lovely woman from Laredo, we were all covered with the same powdered sugar and smiling. There is no better cookie. And it just kept going on and on and on. And again, Naomi writes this in her own words, quote, And then the airline, the airline, they broke out free apple juice from huge coolers. And two little girls from our flight ran around serving apple juice, and they were covered with powdered sugar. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones, and I thought, this is the world I want to live in. A shared world. Not a single person in that gate, once the crying and confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies, and I wanted to hug all these other women. And this can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost. 
In this airport terminal in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Naomi Shahab Nye discovers the world she wants to live in, a shared world in which everyone sought to understand one another and to share life with one another as they have shared in each other's weariness. What kind of world do you want to live in? And as for me, I guess, I want to live in a world which kindness shows up in ways that look like graciousness and civility and sharing of life and our common humanity so we can flourish. I want to live in a world in which kindness paves the way for the hard conversations to take place. I want to live in a world that fights for justice but practices kindness that they don't have to be mutually exclusive. One doesn't have to give up their convictions in the name of love and being kind. And sometimes it's our loving kindness that breaks up this hard, crusty soil of society's hearts and allows the seeds of justice that can be planted and begin to take root. Stephen Grillet was a prominent Quaker missionary in the early 1800s. He joined the Quakers in 1796, became involved in extensive missionary work in North America and Europe, particularly in hospitals and prisons. He's known for encouraging reforms in education, in prisons, and in hospitals. He's well known for his writings, but in one particular quote, he's very well known for And I would almost bet that you have read this quote or seen this quote. But this is from Stephen Gurlitt, the Quaker. I shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that I can do, or any kindness that I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer or neglect, for I shall not pass this way again. That is some profound words right there. I had a friend in Archdale Chamber of Commerce years ago that used a phrase I've never heard before, but I heard it a lot now, but he says it the same way. Life is not a dress rehearsal. We shall not pass this way again. Do I want to inhabit this life and this world as someone who will die an angry, bitter, resentful person? Or do I want to inhabit this world and die as a person who did everything I could? I did not defer. I did not neglect anything I could do to show kindness to any human being. Let me do it now to letting the person in, in traffic, to opening the door for the person, to leaving a good tip. I'm going to embarrass uh, Carrie right now, but Linda and I went to hear her sing last night at Chapel Hill. It's okay, Carrie. It's all right. And she had all the crowd there from both restaurants that were eating and enjoying, but she had this one little girl, one little girl that was just dancing up her storm. I mean, she was dancing and moving and Made me want to dance, but I took a vote at the table, and that got shut down really quick. (laughs) But Carrie was getting ready to sing one song, and she saw the little girl dancing. And then she says, with everybody there, I've got a song just for you. And I don't know the name of the song. I think it came from Little Mermaid, right? Yes, Kiss the Girl, right. She sings this song just for this little girl. Now, she could have avoided her. She could have said, this is for big people only. But it was for this little girl who chose to dance in that moment, and she sang a song for her. That's kindness. That's kindness showing up in these public places in which we live. You may think it's kind of cute. You may think it's kind of sappy. I would defy you that that's the kind of stuff we need. Because it's the stuff that builds the blocks of 
of graciousness and civility in our society as she began to talk with, I think, the mother and the grandmother, and they just had this wonderful time, and we began to talk with them. We would have never talked with them if that had not taken place. People who are strangers talking with one another is what we need. Love is kind, the Apostle Paul writes. Kindness is love with work clothes on. We live in a world that's in desperate need of folks willing to show up in a gracious and civil manner. It's almost like the world is saying to us, can you do a kindness for me? Just like our friend did. We need kindness to disarm each other of our anger and our vengeance so we can have the ability to listen to one another and to share life together. And here's the thing, if you can't do it for our world, if you cannot do it for our world, then do it for yourself. Because Proverbs says this, quote, 1117, your own soul is nourished when you're kind. It's destroyed when you're cruel. A lot of times I try to show kindness because I'm not doing it just for the world, but I'm doing it because my soul needs it. Because if I don't do it, I know where I will go. Your own soul is nourished when you're kind. It is destroyed when you are cruel. I guarantee that if you start with your own soul, it will begin to show up in your own world. So maybe the world is asking us, I think it is, like my friend, will you do me a kindness? Paul says love is kind. Proverbs says your soul, (laughs) your soul depends upon it. The state of your soul. And just maybe, without sounding melodramatic, maybe the state of our society depends upon it as well.